All right. Kevin Donnelly. Good afternoon, Keith. Welcome to the welcome to the lab. I'm, I'm excited. As I told you just a few moments ago before we jumped on, you you I, I don't know how many fanboys you have here in Winnipeg, but you certainly have have one here. Uh, I'm going to set you up for the audience because uh, you know my audience likes to likes when when Keith gets all geeked up about the guest and is well read about the guest and and I know my audience likes to know what I know, Kevin, which is these. I'm intrigued by the moment behind the moment behind the moment. Right, that's okay. that's what gets me interesting. Right, there's these, these these curious stories. So you're the senior vice president of venues and entertainment for True North Sports and Entertainment. So to my listeners, to to, to, bun, to bundle that up in a square, that is, uh, he's the boss of the arena here in Winnipeg, which is the house of the Winnipeg Jets. And all my listeners yep. know I'm a big fan of the Jets. Um, but here's what's neat: uh, Kevin started out as a concert promoter. Kevin was slogging concert tickets in Winnipeg a long, long time ago at Night Road Entertainment. Oh yeah, you know, and um, I, still do that. I, I still do that today. I don't know that I've had a, any kind of growth because I started, you know, in this community thirty plus years ago, and I'm still doing it today. So, you know, again, you talked about a journey. I've I've moved a couple couple steps to get here, um, and, and you know, I've been lucky in that. At one point, I said to myself, "Okay, I'm going to move back to Winnipeg. I'm going to run a building," yeah, and then. If all goes well, I'll move to another city to run a big league building, to run an NHL building, to run an NBA building, and I got the chance to do that without having to move. Yeah. So, so the you know the goal of running an NHL building happened with me changing my address. So that was uh, you know that that's been an incredible part of you know the good fortune that I've had here. What excited me about meeting with you, and and I'm going to throw something at you that I'm I'm I don't know if you've maybe considered this. Have you ever thought about the cultural influence that you yourself, Kevin Donnelly, have had on the city of Winnipeg, and the hundreds of thousands, millions of Winnipeggers that have lived here, that have lived through the and I'm saying this the decisions you've made and the people that are listening. Is, what, what do you mean, Keith? The decisions Kevin's made. Well. He's decided what concerts have come to town. He's decided which concerts we've pitched to town. He's decided what kind of events that have come to town. Like those are, those are cultural decisions that you have made. Um, yeah, I suppose. And as I suppose that as I get older, I'm making decisions that may not be the right ones. You know, I'm, I'm, cause you do, you do. Um, I try to put myself in the shoe of the consumer mm -hmm. and go, would I go to see this? Would, does this excite me? Is this part of something that I think would succeed? And you always try to go, well, okay, yes. And then how do I reach that? Well, I'd reach them through this medium or that medium or whatever. Um, and now I find that I say to myself, man, I don't think that fits for Winnipeg. I think that that's too rich or that's too big or that's too whatever. And then we do something different that, that did work. And you go, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been so conservative on winning, like, you know, things like, things like you think about Motley Crue. Yes. And, and the Motley Crue, um, the Motley Crue Def Leppard Poison Tour that went around. And, and the, you know, at one point before they, before they became a cultural phenomenon, before that tour even played their first stadium, uh, we had the chance to, to, to be considered. Not, it wasn't a guarantee, but I could have done the work and said, 
let's let's do this in Winnipeg. Um, but the ticket price would have had to have been something that Winnipeggers would have never seen before. It would have been 600 bucks for the front row. It would have been $200 for the worst seat, the furthest seat from, this, from the stage in that stadium, like 130, call it 400 feet away. Oh, yeah. And I went, no, it doesn't work. My building's too small. I got to ramp up this ticket price to be too high for what I feel comfortable with. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but I was proven wrong. The audience for those bands did pony up virtually every market and sold out every ticket. And again, you say to yourself, like, you know, the, the, the problem is, what if you're wrong? Like, if you, if you take that bet and you put a whole bunch of millions of dollars up to, to host a show like Def Leppard, uh, Motley Crue, and you're wrong, you lose a lot. Like, people get fired for being wrong at that scale. So... I didn't, that show didn't come to Winnipeg. Maybe it could have, maybe it should have, but you're, you know, you're right. Like people are stuck with the decisions I'm making, good and bad. It, it's, you wield the power of influence. You wield a lot of power with those decisions. Uh, I don't, I, it, I, I know I, that's the right way to phrase it, phrase it but <laughs> people, people are stuck. Yeah. People are stuck with the results of my decisions. <laughs> As Peter Parker would say, that with great power becomes great responsibility. So me as a Motley Crew, yes, yeah. So me as a Motley Crew fan, I'm like, all right. So Donnelly said I can't see them this year. So, but but here's what fascinates me: is that is data making that decision for you? Is it your gut, or is it a combination of both? Are you looking historically around the markets in North America, going, okay, they're they're moving the needle there at that price point, the new moving the needle here at this price point? But my my wisdom. My Kevin Donnelly wisdom and experience is saying it's not going to work here in Winnipeg. You know, sadly, it's both. Sadly, it you know, like, yeah. there's some gut instinct in there that maybe I should try to dig more and get the data. You and know, we have we have access to it. We, you know, we talk to smart people. We talk to the tour producers with Live Nation, with AEG, right. with the Messina Group that has like Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. Like, we we have the connections established that we can have informed decisions. But at the end of the day, they say to me, will it work? Are you, gonna, are you in? Are you a partner? Are you buying us? Are you helping us? You know, what's your role? How do you help us feel good about the, about the decision that they have to make or that I have to make? Um, so there is still, in, and again, this is not just true about me, but in this industry, Somebody has to make the decision, and a lot of it is based on God. A lot of it is based on track record. You know, so if you're doing the Green Day tour and you're doing 35 cities, the easiest decision when you've got the Blink-182 tour is to say, which of my 35 cities worked? Which of them didn't work and I'm not going to go back to? So, again, you know, it, that, that's been, that has been the curse of Bruce Springsteen for me for decades in that he has a very insular little group that advises him. And every tour they start with, okay, last year we did 75 dates. This year we're not going to do 75. We're going to do 50. So what were the best 50 of the previous 75? So if you're not on that ever-shrinking list, it's nearly impossible to get on because they just take the safe bet of, well, we did Philly. Philly worked, but we did Albany. Albany didn't work. So we're going to continue with Philly and we're not going to go back to Albany. And it really, that becomes their MO, their research is their own business. And if you're not part of that list, it's hard to get on that list. 
I had I had Bruce Springsteen on my topics to talk about because when I saw that come, I, when I when I knew he w- so I followed his story with you over the years here in Winnipeg. So I try not, I try not to localize my my audience too much here, but two of those that know me know that I'm a Winnipeg, know that I'm a proud Jet fan, and to know they're listening. So you know we're talking about Winnipeg right now, and Winnipeg has been chasing Bruce Springsteen for years. Kevin's been chasing Bruce. I know publicly for a long, long time, and yeah. this city finally got him, and then he got sick. Yeah. So we're you know. Um... God willing, everything, all those you yes. know, stars aligned. He's coming back in November. We had yes. a date for November of 2023, and it looks like it's going to play out in November of 2024. So people have had to be patient. He has never played the market before. So if you've been waiting, like I have for 30 plus years to bring him to Winnipeg, it'll be 31 years or whatever the math is. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really took him and his people to decide let's just set aside time for Canada. Let's just set aside time and let's go to Calgary and let's go to Montreal or, you know, wherever they're going. Mm. So there's six or seven markets um, and some like Calgary and Edmonton he's been to, but not for 25 years. And there's Winnipeg that he's never been to. And there's, you know, Ottawa, he was at 15 years ago, but not since. So, you know, they just had to make the commitment of let's go East to West. Let's, let's drive across the land and let's hit, all the stops that you can go actually make the statement of a Canadian tour. A Canadian tour isn't Toronto. It's not Toronto and Vancouver. You have to actually hit a few dots on the map, to, in my opinion, to really be able to brand it a Canadian tour. This is where I knew, Kevin, I can weave it back to my audience of, you know, resilience or relentless pursuit, because I knew you had been pursuing it forever. So was it 30 years of essentially knocking on the door saying, hi, I'm Kevin here in Winnipeg. Will you come play in Winnipeg? Yeah, probably not 30 if you, you know, but, but, uh, you know, so my, my history, I was a promoter here in Winnipeg, then I moved yeah. to Vancouver and I was an independent promoter here in Winnipeg and spent a decade doing that. Um, moved to Vancouver with a, a company that was at the time called MCA Concerts. MCA became Universal, was sold to House of Blues, it became House of Blues Concerts. Uh, and now that has morphed and sold again. And it's now, you know, it was SFX and now and then Clear Channel. And now Live Nation. So the dots of the company I used to I used to run the Western Canadian office is now Live Nation. The people at Live Nation, lots of them were my staff back in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was out there. So promoter independently, promoter on a national, international scale with, with House of Blues and, and Universal. Um, and in that window, too, I was very active in trying to get Springsteen to come to Western Canada, to come to... Uh, to Winnipeg at the time. And again, his touring schedule, you know, my my uh, tenure there, it didn't align. But then since landing here back in Winnipeg, where I was at the old arena, mm-hmm. now the new, the new facility downtown, which again, for those people not in Winnipeg, it was it was the MTS Center, then Bell MTS Place, and now it's Canada Life Center. Mm-hmm. Um, every tour opportunity, every every tour whisper, I would reach out to his promoter, his agent, his management, whomever, and say, now's the time, now's the time. What, what do I have to do to convince you that there's, there's a fresh market here? And again, you can make statements like, we're the only NHL and NBA building left in North America. You haven't played. And that's a true statement. Really? Like he, he played the other 31 markets in America. He's in the NHL club. He's played all the NBA building. This is a guy who really has made a career touring 
and Winnipeg, for whatever reason, had never been on that list. We couldn't, and again, it's that concentric circle of 75 dates becomes 50, becomes 40, yeah. and it's just harder to get in, right? It's a shrinking circle as time evolves. What's fascinating to me, Kevin, is that, again, to my listeners, uh, Winnipeg lost our NHL team mm, 15, no. Yeah, nine, nine, well, 25 years ago. Nine, nine, five years ago, yeah. And and Kevin works for a company called True North Entertainment, which uh, once the NHL team left, uh, brought an I, you know, AHL team, IHL team, and then over the way, over the time, was patient, relentless, at the pursuit of bringing the NHL back. Checkbox. And then there's an employee named Kevin Donnelly working there at the same company who, over his time, a patient, relentless pursuit of his idol, Bruce Springsteen, coming to Winnipeg. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's pretty cool. I, I'm cool. A fan. I wouldn't want to say the word idol, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm sure. So I want to understand the, like, how do you get them? Like, is it, is it actually just kind of make, just you hear whispers, you're making, you're making phone calls, you're sending emails and your reputation over time. Probably like, Hey, I'm still waiting over here. Is that essentially what it was kept? Yeah. And you know what? None of that worked, right? It was, it was, yeah. it was that, it was that, um, you know, for 25 years or 20 years of doing it, at the end of the day, um, what 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 you know what flipped the the, the switch was again Bruce decided, mm-hmm. okay, let's go let 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 us let's, let's set aside some time for Canada, mm-hmm. and it was the people who have an actual history of promoting those shows in Canada, a company, you know, Live Nation, the world's biggest promoter, <laughs> but their Canadian office. It was the confidence they had in Winnipeg and the relationship I have with the people in Vancouver and, and Toronto that were planning Bruce's tour. They they got given an opportunity that they, you know, the management and the agent would have reached out to them to say, okay, Bruce's society wants to spend some time in Canada. What are the right markets? Mm-hmm. What's the right, what's the right scenario? What's, what are the right deals? Um, what are we gonna do? So um, you know, we Live Nation are my number one client. Um, we do the most of all the touring activity that comes through there. They're the content provider for the majority of it. Mm. So we just got into very frank and earnest and how do we make this happen? Let we have an opportunity and we say, Hey, it's important for them to land as many Bruce states as they can. Mm. And it's important to me to finally land one. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, really just frank and earnest conversation. We're both rowing in the same direction. How do we get Bruce to Winnipeg? And they, you know, their job was, how do we get Bruce to Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, Montreal? But I played the one piece. I played the, I played the link in the chain called Winnipeg. Yeah. um, That had, you know, helped create a national tour. And then at that point, Kevin, is it as simple as, all right, Kev, you get your wish. It's going to be X dollars. Are you in? Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's along those lines. Again, like th- there's no risk in a Bruce Springsteen show, right? Like mm-hmm. it's big, big money, but you know, it's going to sell. You know that again, in, in this case, the demand has been unsatisfied forever. So mm-hmm. the, the supply is going to be outstripped by the demand. So you're trying to do the right thing of, of, of representing to him and his, you know, his managers and whatnot, you know, how much money can you make here? Because at a certain point, they could say, well, we were going to spend 10 days, but now we're going to spend seven. So we're going to contract the amount of shows we're going to do. So we're always in a competitive position where 
I'm competing with Kansas City. I need Winnipeg to step up and, and compete with Kansas City. Whatever he can make in Kansas City or Atlanta or, or Phoenix, that's the measurement that I have to make sure that Winnipeg is in that conversation. It's like, don't, don't reduce Winnipeg or Canada's 10 days and call it seven days and do only four shows instead of you know, eight or whatever the math is. We're always trying to go, how do we match the competition in America? You know, whether it's Motley Crue, Def Leppard in stadiums, how do I, how do I make the band as much money as they're going to make in Seattle in a 50,000 seat building or in Edmonton in a 50,000 seat stadium in Edmonton? And in that case, I couldn't. I, I, didn't, I didn't take the bet that I could double the ticket price in Winnipeg because my stadium's half the size of Seattle. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and so, you know, but with Bruce, we went, well, we're a smaller building, but we think the demand is there. So maybe it's more tickets at P1 and more tickets at P2 and fewer tickets at P7 and P8, you know, price eight. So, so you just manipulate what you think the business model can be to satisfy the guy. And well, and that's what fascinates me about this industry is that it's, it's, you're, I don't want to say playing with numbers, but you're playing with numbers. You're saying, okay, the numbers have to work here. We've got to sell 5,000 at this price point, 10,000 at this price point. And it's, it's, it's somewhat basic math, isn't it, Kevin, at the end of the day? And seeing where you, it's all math, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's all math. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've gone into schools, you know, te teachers want me to come in and talk to the kids, whether it's a, a music class or, or or just sort of a general setting. And back in the day, I would go, you know, the two most important things were, um, you know, the CD and a calculator. If you had a CD, you could listen to some music. And, and if you had a calculator, now you can do the math to try to transpose the interest in that music to a business equation and how many, how much can you sell the CD for? Or how much, how much can you right. sell a ticket for to see that band perform that music, right? So it's all math. Somebody who's been around like yourself, who's seen a lot in the industry, are you fascinated by how long you brought up Motley Crue and Poison and Def Leppard? And, and I, we're probably very similar. I'm, I'm thinking we're similar age. I'm, I'm 51. So I, I grew up with these bands. Are you fascinated by Kevin? How, how long they just keep going? Um, stunned, oh. you know, stunned. And, 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 you know, the crazy part, A, I got you beat on the age. So we won't go there, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm older than you, but um, okay. You know, what, what is, I think, remarkable is, is that these careers have extended as long as they have. And that, yeah. you know, these people, again, I think, that, I think that our industry is in for a tough stretch because, you know, we used to think the Stones were old when they were hitting 50, yeah. right? And, 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 um, and now Mick is 80 and still doing it. But um, the fact that the concert industry has become so multi-generational that the grandparents and parents are going with their children to see Taylor Swift mm -hmm. or that, or that dads are going with sons and it's a rite of passage for dads and sons to see kiss together before, before kiss retired forever, or to see, you know, the music that the dad grew up with. It's so important for him to see, for his kid to see that music live and experience the joy that the dad got out of it when he was 17 or 25 or, or 11 or whatever the case is. So the evolution of the concert industry, when I started in the business, it was, it was still had a counterculture sort of bad, mm -hmm. bad gathering kind of vibe to it. 
to the point that when I would cross the border, when I would fly to LA for meetings or fly to the States and the immigration guy said, what do you do for a living? I never said concert promoter because that was a red flag that I probably had cocaine in my briefcase or something, right? <laughs> so you'd say, well, I work in the music business I'm, or I work in the event business. I'm, a, I'm an event producer. I do, you know, gatherings and social or whatever, but I would never drop that. I never say I'm a concert promoter because that would be a red flag that they're going to sick the dogs on me, right? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. they would. Yeah. But now it isn't. Now it's so legitimate. Now it's front page news. It's Taylor Swift is, you know, it's, Very it's so homogenized that, yes. that there's no negativity attached to going to a show yeah. now. It, it's it's a birthright, you know, COVID, COVID for all that it did, and it did some damage to a lot of industries. The notion of gathering and what we were unable to do during COVID, COVID put the concert experience on page one. It put like people yearned for a concert where before that you never said that on the news. You never said that on the front page of the paper that people can't wait to get together for concerts and music and sporting events. You know, sporting events were legit. Concerts weren't legit. They weren't mentioned in the same breath really in, until as recently as COVID, till 2020. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've mentioned Taylor Swift a couple of times, uh, you know, weaving a business theme back into this, Kevin. Is she not the perfect product market fit like knowing who your audience is and if you're if you're a marketer or a business person you're like oh yeah she has it figured out like is she not just perfect with that it's a case study for sure right like you know really? you always you always with, with history you can look back at certain people and you can go oh, this person made a mistake here or the behavior <laughs> caught up to them or whatever the issue is um but taylor hasn't made a mistake there's a couple people that you can that you can point to and you can say, you know, man, this person's just been so well directed or made the right decisions or so well protected, like whatever the case is, you know, Justin Timberlake hasn't made any public gaffes, right? Like Justin Bieber has, Justin Timberlake has not, you know, like uh, Taylor Swift has not. She's either been so well managed externally or so well managed internally, her own behavior radar has mm -hmm. set her on a path that she like somebody knows when too much is too much and she hasn't gone past that line and and it's just been you know it, it it's it's incredible to watch it's incredible to see like where will that go that's that that that's the beatles right like that, that yes is, that, that's on the cover of time and newsweek kind of thing right it really is I, i've often said kevin i say it to my kids uh Generations of the future, we, let me back it up. We will never, ever see a Drake or a Taylor Swift ever again because they both catapulted to fame as social media was being discovered and built upon. And they, 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 they understood that they could build this massive influence and massive audience on these social platforms and grow. It is so splintered now. I don't know if we're ever going to see another, I'll call it Drake or Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you put the two in the same sort of breath, but I understand like, again, he has um, created um, a persona. And again, here's a guy who hasn't had a misstep yet. He hasn't. Well, if he has, he's been able. So, you know, may, maybe the child and, you know, maybe a Don so that, and I don't want to call it controversy because, but, yeah. but he's been able to manage it. Yeah. And, and again, uh, 
what's viewed as acceptable behavior or understandable behavior mm -hmm. changes over time. And mm -hmm. his community doesn't fault him for whatever behavior that might have mm -hmm. might have been viewed as a misstep in, from somebody else's perspective or another artist's, you know, perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but he, you know, again, like, uh, there's an artist that I wish someone would say, let's spend some time in Canada because he hasn't spent time in Canada and done a Canadian tour. You know, he, he can go and do four nights in Dallas and he does do four nights in Dallas, but I wish I could get him to come and do two nights in Winnipeg. Right. So you talk about the cultural experiences, Kevin. I was fortunate to see Drake with my 17-year-old son uh, in Vancouver last summer. And I will share this with you in my audience that uh, while Carter and his buddies were sitting in the stands, Dad was moshing in the front row with the Travis Scott audience and the Drake audience just having a good old time all by himself because they're like, no, Dad, you can't sit with us. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go sit in the front floor then because uh, that's where I can go. So. Wow. <laughs> So it was it was an exceptional show and that's that's exactly what that was it was it was an exceptional experience yeah and again so you know i would put you two in the same category where um certain that's... performers certain performers come out and for some reason like david boy would be the same yes um, but their instincts to presentation their instincts to how to present themselves are so unique and they're so refined and, and like you two have never again. You might, you know, they had the Pop Mart tour in the in the early two thousands that the old stadium didn't, didn't resonate. Yeah, I played the Winnipeg Stadium, um, but you can't ever cite them as being boring. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're attached to 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 uh, the Sphere in Vegas, and again, presentation is stunning to the point that it's something you've never seen before. Like literally that and. How many artists can say that? Something you've never seen before. It's not like something you've never seen. Mm -hmm. It's actually something you've never seen before. You're a segue king for me. You're in my head because I can see the time <laughs> on the clock and I'm like, all right, we got 10 minutes left with Kevin. I want to talk about the sphere and the changing music experience. So first of all, we know there's been this trend in Vegas to be residencies. Artists that are aging are like, oh, wait a minute. I can just sit in Vegas for a few months and have everybody come to me. And now you have the sphere in Vegas, which is clearly changing the music experience. First, have you been there? I have not. E, what are your outside thoughts? You, you obviously you've researched it, you've seen it, you've spent time looking at it. What, give me Kevin Donnelly's take on the sphere in Vegas. Well, you know, I don't know that it's replicable because it's so expensive to create. And, and you know, mm. the, the, build, the building itself. And then it's mm. so difficult for a performer to try mm. to come up with a new show that 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 you know you can't drop in another act every week mm -hmm. and, and so the, the performer has to create a show that's unique and specific to that to that presentation format and so not everyone can can do that you know like not everyone will have the ability to build a show that will make that setting work so the few that can i've heard you know paul mccartney fish and and, mm -hmm. and uh you two and a couple big big names um and Garth Brooks, like there are those that can, and then there are the rest of us, the rest of those artists that can't, you know, like artists that tour, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that venue lends itself to one-off dates. Can a band go in there and play one night and leave? What's that show? What happens to their lights? What happens to the regular Kiss show that gonna play mm -hmm. Winnipeg one night in Saskatoon the next? What happens when they go into the sphere? So, um, remain it remains to be seen again. Like, 
uh, I've heard great things. I've family members that have been, uh, I'm intrigued to go. I'd love, I'd love to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know how much that's going to set a new standard for us. I think that there's, um, uh, the jury is still out on whether that, that is going to be um, replicable. My camera went there for a second. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I'm, um, here we go. I have a high desire to go. I'm really intrigued by it. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Again, I'm a guy who likes to go behind behind the scenes. I'm intrigued by the questions an artist has to ask himself, which is okay. So great. I'm going to be a little ant in this place when, when really everybody's coming to see all the content around me. And yeah. not just lights anymore. It's video content. It's video. It's imagery experiences. It is lighting, but it's so much more than that to create the proper experience. Oh yeah, I mean, you really have to think about your show again. If you are, as you said, an ant, and for a lot of people, that like they're looking at the screens, not the performers. So you have to wrestle with, okay, well, what's my presentation if not me being the center? It's not just point the camera at the singer and put him on a screen that's right. fifteen stories tall. Um, it's got to be more than that. So someone's got to create it, and someone's got to decide what it is, and how it fits with the music. And again, you too, just to back up a minute, they've always been top of the class for being able to do that. You know, could the imagery and the message that resonates with a song that's 25 years old, how you make new images and new content and whatever that connects with a song that was written, you know, two or three decades ago, they are the, they are the best in class for that kind of thing. So it remains to be seen how, how, how that, how that evolved, but, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, Vegas and residencies. And again, I'm an arena guy. I'm sitting here in Winnipeg. I need tours to come to Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, these destination tours and whether it's in Vegas or artists that go and go, well, I'm going to do eight nights in Miami and six nights in Chicago and, you know, eight nights at the O2 in London and four at Staples. And then, you know, you know whether you're Harry Styles at 15 and 15 and call yeah. that yes. an American tour, right? Um, like I get the, I get the math, but there's still something to be said about going to Kansas and going to Winnipeg and actually going to the towns where the people love you and connecting with them in their home space and really having that. It's a different crowd in, in Kansas than it is in LA and it's different in Winnipeg than it is in Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah. So there's some magic for those artists to have an experience the different landscape of the world that exists that are fans of these bands. So um, I get the money and the efficiency and the, and the, the ease of doing a residency, but um, there's gold out there on the road. We're talking a lot about historical bands though. And I guess I'm what I'm wondering, and, and I'm going to ask you a, a, a forward looking question. We're talking a lot about a bands that, that have, that have been accomplished. Are tomorrow's bands touring? even though the, the band concept is different, I guess, admittedly, right? So, but I wonder if the next, I'll use the word artist, the next artist that's going to magically change the sphere we haven't met yet. Very similar, very similar to way that Mr. Beast came out on YouTube over the last 18 months to be, we know he's a, he's, he's like, we know he's like a, CP, a CPG brand, but he's a face, but he's a brand. But I wonder if, if the next artist to make the sphere what we think it's going to be, we haven't met yet. 
because it's a multimedia, digital, immersive, sensual, sensory experience. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, I, I, I hope so because I hope that we haven't met them yet. Because if we did, it would mean that there's no new acts coming. So, of course, know, there, there are, you know, there are new acts that are coming out every day, and they're incredible. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. looking up, you know, Chris Stapleton being probably mm-hmm. top of my list. You know, um, uh, top of my list personally. I listen to, well, I listen to Chris Stapleton music, but like Morgan Wallen. Here's a guy mm-hmm. who who in, in like five years went from opening up for more, uh, more one was a support act for uh, was either Chris Stapleton or Luke Combs here in my building. And five years later, he's filling stadiums in America. Like he went from an opening act to a stadium act in five years time, including the COVID window in there. So, um, and, 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 you know, Harry Styles being 15 dates in LA and 15 or 17 dates in, in the New York region, like, um, there, there is new talent. It's not just about yesteryear and about mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Buffett or, or the Stones mm-hmm. or whoever, even Motley Crue, whatever. Um, you know, we have a sold-out show with an artist named Noah Khan, mm-hmm. and, and here's a new act who's kind of doing traditional music. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, um, that we haven't seen before, but. He's got a new voice and he's got a new message and it's resonating with new kids and new audiences and it's doing sellout business in arenas on his first arena tour. So pretty exciting stuff. There's still content that, that, you know, what's changing is how that content reaches us. It's not being, mm-hmm. we're not listening to it for the first time on city FM or your local mm-hmm. AM or FM station. You're finding out about it through, through digital, through social media, through, Trust or, or, or satellite radio, so it's not necessarily about you know breaking in your hometown, a band breaking in their hometown. The band can be from anywhere, and put a song out anywhere by any means, and it gets streamed around the world. So how is changing, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't think we have to worry about you know there won't be a next one. There will be a next one. There's great mm-hmm. artists getting sort of started all the time. When you meet some of these artists in person, you know, you're, you're a human being, but you're also a fan. When you meet some of these, these, these artists in person, do you, do you immediately get in, in quotes, why they are successful as they are? Is there an aura around them, a presence about them? Is there something, is there, is there a common thread amongst them, Kevin? Lots of them are really good looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, well, you're, you're, you're kind of pretty. I get that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I would say you know they're they're all human and they're all put their put the pants on one leg at a time like the rest yes. of us. But but you know they're uh, for, I would say for the most part they're all really smart. They are all really hardworking. They know that it takes a commitment and they know that it takes a certain kind of deliverable that doesn't happen accidentally. Like think about Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. He's a great dancer. He's a great singer. He's a good musician. Like he wasn't born this way. He taught himself and mm. was trained and committed to it and has spent a life on the road, right? He, he has been away from family and friends and the comforts of the backyard by being on the road for a long time and he's enjoying the results of it. So it doesn't happen accidentally. So when you meet them, you know, you, you, try, you try to, um, you know, you, you, you want to experience a little bit of them. You want to say like, you know, mm. hey, like, 
you want to try to find out what makes them tick. I mean, country artists, I, I think, are, are, are interesting. You know, there are lots of them that, you know, um, you know they're really humble. They're, they're, they're really grateful. They, they appear to be quite sincere in, in sort of like the expressing the fact that they're just lucky mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sort of fortunate to be where they are. But they're also, you know, deliberately working hard. They're going to play fairs and they're creating alliances with brands, whether it's, you know, liquor or cars or trucks, whatever, because they know that that's another way to establish their personality and establish their business model that's going to sustain them. Um, you know, uh, and hip hop too, you know, these acts create fragrances and, and, and clothing lines and, and alcohol lines and whatnot, because it's a way to connect to their audience and their audience to connect to them. But it also expands that business model that they're, they want the lifestyle. They want, they want that. So, um, you know, some of them, it's more obvious than others, but to answer your question, like, you know, some of them, they deserve to be up on a stage. Because they've got a skill set that is unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've mentioned, and I know we have to wrap up here, Kev. Uh, just a couple quick comments. You've mentioned content a number of times, and I and I love that you've used that term because as 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 we've all matured with the internet, it's we live in the world of infinite content now. And at the end of the day, a live concert is the ultimate in content, isn't it? And that's well, what you've been I, playing with your whole life. Yeah, I think I think so, and I think that. You know, that's, that's one thing that is being recognized now um, that, that makes the concert business sort of a bankable business because yes. people are now getting that um, what happens on Tuesday in Winnipeg or Wichita or, you know, New York or LA is different and unique and, and, and offers something that won't be presented the same again, ever again, ever, right? Like, if you went and followed a band yep. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and saw three different shows in three different states or provinces, you'd see three different events. You'd see you'd be beside three different sets of people. It's a unique experience each and every time. So there's value in uniqueness. That's an NFT for every single person to use a, a to use a, a digital term of the day or yesterday. Dude, you keep um, segueing everywhere for me. You want you want to go at five o'clock? I can't let you go because now you've unlocked another opportunity to talk. Okay, we go for ten more. Um, but it, it 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 allows, you know, it perpetuates that value. Yeah, right? it does. So, so it? what as a building operator, you want to make sure that that value that experience is allowed to happen and you want to take away the friction points for the consumer. So I work hard to get them in the building quickly, to get them through the concession stand quickly, to get them in their seat quickly and to have the seat not break. So I get really like, you know, as a building guy, I'm in one town, your goal is to allow that fan to come and experience the artist exactly the way the artist wanted it to happen without any friction along the way, you know? So, for me, you know, as a building guy, we're about housekeeping and toilets flushing and 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 tills and and beer flowing and and all the transactional things happening, so that you can have the night you're paying for with the act you wanted to see, surrounded by people of like mind. Mm-hmm. You talk about unique. I was fascinated by Metallica's tour, the two, the, the seventy-two, the two, the two days in in a city, and yeah. Yep. 
you know, again, a, a way to reinvent yourself, right? Play two shows in the same market, not back, not the same shows. Like what a, what a unique way. I thought, when I heard about it, I was like, duh, why hasn't anybody else done that? Uh, you know what? Because nobody else is Metallica. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that true though? Right? It's, it's, it's so true. I mean, again, uh, you know, that, they're one plus one equals 11. Like yeah. those, those four guys have figured yes. it out. And, 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 you know, Lars isn't the greatest drummer and nobody's the greatest anything, but collectively they're like ACDC. They just created a level of excellence that nobody else can meet. So everybody else just measures himself against it. And from right? a business perspective, to, to be wise enough to go, okay, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute, management team. We know that fans are going to love a Metallica takeover on a weekend. You can hear corporate rock radio getting behind us. You can just see all the pieces come into play to pull mm -hmm. off a Metallica weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Right. And, and again, when you get 20 and 30 years into a career like they yes. are, yeah. now you've got a catalog that you can pull 72 songs out yeah. and not play the same song twice and not do you know like they can actually they can actually do what what the concept is and do it without without you know some filler without having the dancers come out while you're doing a costume change right, right? like right. you know they're, they're gonna go out there and they're gonna do what metallica does yeah and it's gonna be fantastic my last question i'm a big fan oh, okay. of I'm a big fan of well i have lots of questions i just want to be respectful here uh i'm a big fan of you know, history very much predicts the future. You have been around the concert business and the music industry for many, many years. Is it easier for you to sit in front of it right now than say to me, hey, Keith, yeah, the next 20 years are going to be largely the same. We're going to bring humans together in a building and we're all going to enjoy live acts playing music in front of us. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a safe thing to say, but I hope, I hope that change continues to happen within that context, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, you think about we in addition to the arena, we have we have the, the this theater in Winnipeg. It's this 1700 seat Burton mm -hmm. Cummings Theater, it's called, and and named after a local, you know, guy done well, Burton Cummings, who yeah. in the guess who and solo artist. Um, but the reason I mentioned that building, the building's 110 years old. So for 110 years, and if you think about the Coliseum, for for time immemorial, we've been gathering as a as a as a species. And being entertained by somebody doing something so hopefully we don't outsmart ourselves and don't think that we need to gather and don't think that we need to share in the spectacle of somebody else's gifts right mm -hmm. we, we we like to share in the spectacle of athletes and 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 pro sports and watching somebody who can do something at a level that we all aspire to but no we won't get there right it's just it's an aspirational mm -hmm. experience to go I'm going to go home and try harder. I don't think I'm going to be a golfer or be a Olympic diver or be a whatever, but these things are, these occurrences are aspirational. So the same thing with the music business. I mean, like, I hope that we have changed. I hope that we have artists like you two that emerge and artists like Morgan Wallen and, 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 and Drake that come in and change the model, change the mold, break it. But you know, that, that, but the week again, we're, that we don't get sort of overpowered by technology and we don't fool ourselves that watching it on Zoom is the same as being in person. Watching it on DVD is the same as being in person. I mean, you know, I've, I've watched and enjoyed, there's a David Byrne 
HBO special of his uh, American Utopia. I've, I've watched it on TV a couple of times and I enjoy it when it's on, but I saw it live. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can't compare the two. One's enjoyable, the other's remarkable. I believe you and I will witness in our lifetime because we both were there for the lighters and then we were all there for <laughs> the, the, the phones. The phone. Yeah. I, I believe we will both be there for the glasses. I really do. I, I, I believe that over the next 10 years, 10 to 12 years, um, we're really going to see a, a, a transformational shift with computing. It's going to move to our face. We're seeing it with the release of the Apple Vision Pro. We're seeing it. If you haven't changed your setting in your iPhone, you should change the setting for, for, for uh, start, start shooting spatial video on your phone now so that when you do get the headset in two or three or four years from now, the content you're creating today will be magical to you. So there's a little tip for you. But I'm just mm-hmm. I'm suggesting to you that uh, the killer apps for these AR spatial computing experiences, Kevin, are going to be exactly what you're doing, right? Which is going to allow me to get to maybe the arena. I, I think a new revenue stream evolves for you, which is, okay, so we got people in the building for this price point. We got people in the plaza for this price point. We got people at home tuning in on their AR, VR headsets for this price point, right? Maybe there's some somewhat of a transformational experience. But I think ultimately we will be there when people are in the arena, in the stadium, wearing their glasses and experiencing it without their phones. Yeah, there was, there was a, uh, I think it was Niall Horan from uh, One Direction that yeah. did a show, that did a show from, from um, Royal Albert Hall that he had a live audience and he had like 100 million people viewing yes. remotely. Yes. So, you know, I hope that that might be an expansion of, of the experience, but I hope it doesn't discourage him from going on the road and doing four more shows that week. Right. Like, it can't replace, you can't, you know, again, we all want to see Adele and mm-hmm. we all can't go to Miami where she's going to, you know, or Vegas. So the hope is that Adele or whoever the next Adele is gets on a bus, gets on a plane and travels and sees people in their own, in their own um, community because there's differences from town to town. And instead of seeing the same Celine Dion show a hundred times in Caesar's palace, Let's give, again, with due respect, they are different night every yes. night, whatever. Yes. But yes. there's different when the audience is in Wichita, in Winnipeg, in New York City, in, in, in Paris, in, in, in Korea. Like, communities act differently. They act uniquely to themselves, right? And, and so there's some magic in how that artist's presentation melds with that community in their home setting. There's, there's, some, there's some magic dust in there. So hopefully that that continues. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in live. It's why I do my show live every single day because I wanted to make a point that it's it's difficult. I'll bring a weave in accountability. Uh, it's difficult to do shows live for artists and for people who are doing radio or to play a hockey game or a football game. It's difficult to do things live day after day, and there's a special skill involved. So uh, I, like you, hope that you know the, the industry continues to evolve. I think technology is going to be a massive play inside of it, which I think is only going to bring us closer as as fans to our artists, frankly. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. But again, um, my, 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 my viewpoint is, is anchored by I'm a bricks and mortar guy that has yeah. that has venues in a certain location, yeah. and I yeah. got to get business to come to it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Hey, Kevin Donnelly, I could nerd out with you and talk music. I haven't really, to be frank with you, gotten into probably a thousand of the things I would love to chat with you about. So, <laughs> I would. Um, Listen, I, I say to my audience, if it's interesting to me, I think it's going to be interesting to them. 
you got story after story to tell you you work in a really cool industry a cool space that people probably they know about but don't know a lot about right they go to the concert but don't know what happens kind of behind the scenes that's what's interesting to me so thanks for coming in today man uh it's been my pleasure we'll uh we'll do chapter two later i'd love that i would love to do chapter two three four five make it a regular we can talk music dude we can bring our record players out we can flip through vinyl we could have a good old time yeah man okay <laughs> chapter two to come Hang tight, I'm gonna throw into the green room. I'm gonna say goodbye to the audience and come back and walk you out. Okay, hang tight one second. I'm gonna do this here, and I'm gonna do this here and do that there. Hey, you guys know how it works. I hope you guys enjoyed the chat as much as I did with Kevin Donnelly. Um, today was a good one. I did a live show and I did a recording and I nerded out with both of them. So that's gonna be Keith's big word here these days is nerding out. Good conversation behind the scenes stuff, right? Last week we had an F-18 fighter guy. We had a guy who worked at DARPA. Now we have people talking about behind the scenes of the music industry. So I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. We're gonna bring Kevin back hopefully many times. So we'll see you guys tomorrow live in the lab, live in the business athlete performance lab. We go live LinkedIn X and YouTube noon central time. We'll see you guys tomorrow.